From the beautiful city of Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. We've got another great episode for you today featuring very talented LADFF filmmakers. But before we get into it, if you like what you hear today, please subscribe to Film Forward on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for weekly episodes where we not only interview LADFF filmmakers, we interview filmmakers with new theatrical releases, and of course, we do our patented Give Me Three episodes. But today we're joined by the makers of the beautiful short film, Cartas para Axel. We're honored to have the director and co-writer, Miles Adonai Lopez, and his co-writer and star of the film, Jonathan De La Torre. Thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Nicholas. We're excited. So, Miles, talk to us a little bit about Cartas para Axel. For my American listeners, that's Letters to Axel. Tell us a little bit about this film. Yeah, so Cartas para Axel, or Letters to Axel, was brought to me by Jonathan. He was an actor that I'd worked with a few times already in the past. And I had always loved working with him. He was very easy to work with. We were already friends. And he brought this film to me. And it was a pretty much fully-fledged idea already. And so it made my job really easy just reading it and thinking, wow, this is a beautiful story. And um, there were some small things that we wanted to change. And we kind of rewrote the ending to make it a little bit more short film-like and you know, give it kind of that that punch at the end, that a little bit of turn of events. And we also just added some dialogue in, specifically in the scene with his father, where it was kind of the turning point of the film. And I really wanted to give it some more meaning and help flip the story a little bit so that now he starts to have a change of events, you know. And Jonathan, talk to us about the inception of this idea, which is essentially a writer kind of living in two worlds. He's having trouble differentiating his dream world from reality. And he's kind of like fallen in love with this man that only exists in his dream world. It's a beautiful concept for a film, but where did you come up with it? Well, it's actually a very personal story, but I was having, this is blue deer that's actually featured in the film. I was in a meditation and I saw a very specific blue deer in this meditation. And then I saw it again in a dream. An ex at the time, who's an artist, actually painted the uh, blue deer and I saw it on the, the socials. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I, I called them up and I was like, hey, you know, what's what's this blue deer about? And I just basically said, you know, and I think that would be a really interesting story if two characters are meeting each other in their dreams and then they're exchanging information that then inspire their real life, you know, and, and that's just kind of how it started, actually. So it's basically based in reality. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, I'm not sure if I'm here right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wake up and we just didn't get into any film festivals. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's really fascinating that it's kind of like based off real experiences and then to kind of like play, I guess, a version of yourself. I guess that's my next question is from conception and page the script page to set, what was it like kind of embodying Julian? Because there's a personal aspect of the story to you, did you, on the page, do anything to differentiate you from Julian? And what was it like performing that? When it was being written, I think there was a lot of emotion 
on the personal aspect. But once it was finalized and Miles had come in and we had really worked on it and created what we have now, which, you know, was a beautiful collaboration, I think it had already transformed into something else. So once we started filming, I really had to put my acting skills to the test. And then also, you know, Miles just has a great way of bringing things out that I didn't even think about or that I, you know, I just things out of me that just worked beautifully, I think. And it turned into something completely different. You know, I really had to get to work. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel the same way. So, you know, now it's like, okay, well, actor Jonathan has to really, you know, put some time into this. I would kind of second a lot of the things that Jonathan just mentioned. I remember as we were kind of writing it and I definitely asked him a lot of questions at first as well since he was the the main writer on it. As I was kind of rewriting certain parts and just directing certain parts, I was trying to ask him like, you know, well, did this actually happen to you? Like, what did you feel or what would you feel were this part to have had actually happened to you? And he was kind of like, I mean, this part's kind of made up or this part's like just something that I felt when writing the story, you know? And so then I had to really read into the actual character as well and think, okay, like, what is this guy actually feeling? Because it wasn't Jonathan. It was just something that Jonathan felt the story going in that direction when he was writing it, potentially. Mm. And so, yeah, even though, like, all our stories kind of come from personal places, usually, when we're writing, directing, whatever it is, you do have to look at it separately as a story and say, okay, but in the progression of this character's plot, where are they, you know? Right. And think about... What is this person feeling and and how do we portray that? And Miles, talk to us a little bit about your aesthetic for this piece, especially visually. You know, I was watching this film and it's like, I grew up in LA. I, I think you did too. Yeah. And obviously we watch so many films that take place in LA, but there's something about the way that you shot the city in this film that mm. I can't quite put my finger on, but it feels... <laughs> It feels very ethereal. I almost didn't recognize my own city when I was watching this, (laughs) but I just wanted to get your input on that and what your visual approach was and how you chose to shoot the city. Right. You know what? That's a massive compliment, honestly, because yeah, I love Los Angeles. I grew up here. Specifically, I grew up in the Valley, Mm -hmm. but you know, have family who lives out in, you know, the downtown area and whatnot. And just, I've spent a lot of time out at the beaches and out of, you know, just everywhere. I really spent a lot of time out here in LA. Something about LA is that it can be a very hustle and bustle city and it can be kind of rough sometimes and whatnot, but there's also this innate beauty to it in Mm -hmm. many ways. And it is a city in which I've always felt like people come to because they have big dreams. And I kind of look at everywhere around LA and there is this dreamy aspect to it in many ways. And it's hard to describe really. I guess you kind of just have to watch the film or next time you're walking around LA, like just try and look at it slightly differently. And the way the sun hits the buildings, the way the sun hits the people and how people interact with each other. Sometimes like there is this kind of movie-like aspect to LA since the film industry really developed Los Angeles so much that, I don't know, I, I guess I kind of just took the most beautiful aspects of LA and tried to enhance them. It feels like it also could have been intuitive because, or serendipitous, that it's, you know, like the film that you are making is about 
dreams. True. And the way that you uh, have shot the city feels very dreamlike. I mean, it works perfectly. So it could have just been your director's intuition. <laughs> also, but, uh, yeah, but, I uh, think it's a little bit of both. As a kid, you know, I'd watch movies especially movies that were shot out in LA and then I'd, you know, be driving around with my parents or whatever to wherever. And I'd be looking out the window and I'd be kind of trying to imagine myself and see the bits of LA that I saw in that movie. And so I guess I always looked at even my own city in a dreamlike way Mm -hmm. of like, wow, like it's so big and grand. And I guess it kind of flowed out very well in this movie because of the subject content. So, yeah. One scene that I really loved, and you kind of touched on it earlier, but I want to get both of your aspects on it. That's the scene with Julian and his father. Mm. You know, not only the tenderness that you could feel of that relationship, both of your performances are great in that scene. But, you know, it's a scene that embodies, and I think a lot of people can relate to, you know, how a lot of people feel lonely, but also how lonely sometimes it could feel to be an artist. It felt like a very honest and tender scene but I wanted to get both of your guys' perspectives on writing that scene and shooting that scene. That scene wasn't flushed out for sure, but it was in the or it was in the script. And I had like a I, friends that were yeah. giving feedback on it, I guess. And every person that had <laughs> read it was like, "No, dude, that's that scene doesn't belong there. It's kind of just a floating scene because that's the only moment we see Julian's father. You know, we see the psychiatrist a couple of times. We see Axel a couple of times. So." that's the only scene with the father and they're like it's a floating scene it just doesn't work when miles came on board he understood it he felt it. he like that's all him i knew the feeling that it that it meant but i had no idea what it would sound like what it would look like what you know what they're talking about and just miles came in and he understood it he really made that scene come to life and then for me as an actor having Pete Pano, who's placed opposite my father. I mean, he's just, he's so good. Yeah. He's just so <laughs> cool. So like every scene, it was just like me just having to be present with him because he was just always giving so much and had that really warm fatherly like vibe to him always. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, you know, he's, he's too humble. He really did do a lot for that scene when it first came to me. Probably if you took that scene and cut it in half, that was what Jonathan wrote. And that second half is what I wrote. and originally you know it was just kind of him having this conversation with his father saying that he was lonely and then i think that was generally it and then after that we see him in the therapist's office again Mm -hmm. talking about and she kind of gives him the stone to help him lucid dream and control his dreams a little bit more and start to make a decision and i was like well why does he suddenly just like decide to listen to his therapist when before we see he's obviously not listening and so i was like okay so the scene before that is really the turning point where he kind of needs to wake up a little bit and kind of start to understand what he needs to do when i started rewriting that scene where you know it's kind of the turning point with his father i was trying to think like why do people feel lonely and especially as an artist like what is our main purpose as artists Mm -hmm. and so i really tried to tap into this idea that Art is a way of connecting with people. Really, all we want as either an author or a filmmaker or an actor is like, we want people to come up to us and say, like, I really felt the same way that you portrayed X, Y, and Z in this movie or whatever. And I really connected to that. And that really like helped me understand my position in life more. For Julian, like, he was not 
really receiving that, even though he was a, or he wasn't at least noticing that or acknowledging it because he was a best-selling author, but he wasn't feeling like people understood the loneliness that he was feeling in being an artist. And so I really tried to tap into that and the fact that his father is just so much wiser than him and that he needs to really kind of wake him up and say, look, you can't go loving somebody until you love yourself in full first. And so you really need to just focus on being your own best friend and just kind of embracing that loneliness and learning how to live with it before you start trying to love somebody else because then you're splitting your time of loving yourself and loving somebody else. And it just, it makes you fall apart. Yeah, absolutely. Tremendous scene. Excellent work on that. And yeah, as you mentioned, was the actor who played the father? Pedro Pano. Pedro Pano. Yeah, he he is magnetic. Yeah. Tremendous. The final question I have for you in regards to your guys' film, and it's a question I've been asking a lot of the filmmakers from this year's program. What's your biggest takeaway from this project now that it's completed, screened at Outfest, which is an absolutely tremendous festival. You've seen it with an audience. Creatively and personally, what do you take away from this project as you guys march forward in your careers? I just think there's so much that we learned from this film. I think for me as a director, I took away just the fact that we can really like do a lot on very little. And we can really, if we have a lot of time, we can take that time and effort and put it into a story to make things even more perfect than we were already able to make them, mm-hmm. which, you know, in no way is this project perfect, but I think we've just kind of realized our full potential and that if we have more time, we can use that time wisely. Yeah. We learned a lot about film festivals and applying to festivals. I would say we just really kind of, I think, proved to ourselves that we were able to do this. I think a big takeaway for me watching it with the audience was a couple of things. I feel like it's just love, you know, people really just connect to that, mm-hmm. you know, on any level that may be. At the end, you know, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but I'm sure the people that are part of the festival are going to have already seen it. But the fact that these two characters don't necessarily kind of just barely miss each other. Sorry, spoiler alert. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, it's like I've got, we've, seen reactions where it's like oh my gosh like turn around or like you know like are they gonna meet like what's going on and so it's like this really grounded level of just love you know how people just really connect to that and also um following your dreams you know following listening to your heart Mm -hmm. and following your dreams that scene again with the father it just reiterates that or just kind of vibrates and it goes in my mind when i'm watching it with an audience because i could just really feel it palpitating through people Mm -hmm. how you know, it's sticking to their subconscious in a way where it's like, yes, I have to follow my heart. You know, I have to just kind of keep going and have dreams and just be inspired in that way. So that's my takeaway from the audience. I think in a personal or professional, it's just, it's this collaboration and this trust that happens when we're creating something, you know, it's like me trusting Miles, Miles trusting Angela, which is our DP and just having everybody trust each other that they're bringing their A game to their department. And that I think brings a lot of ease and it felt really beautiful, in particular for this project, for the collaboration in that way. Our composer, who's phenomenal, you know, he's just Roman Molino Don, also just really believing mm-hmm. in the project, really feeling it and just 
giving his all for, you know, just doing a solid for us, just like he did phenomenal work on that. So I think that was a big, it's a big takeaway for me that the collaboration process, which is just, it was just beautiful for us in this, in this project. Yeah. Amazing. Cartas para Axel, Letters to Axel. It's a beautiful film. My friends listening at home, come see it with us. The Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. It's going to be screening August 19th as a part of the block Love, Lust, and Lost. And tickets are available for that right now at LADFF.com. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. When we come back, our two favorite filmmakers right here, they're going to be helping us out with our favorite segment, Give Me Three. We'd like to take a minute to talk about LADFF sponsor E-Minutes. E-Minutes is a corporate entertainment law firm that handles the corporate minutes for more than 38,000 entities involved in the entertainment industry. Like last year, they're sponsoring an award with the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival called the Emerging Filmmaker Award. You can learn more about our partnership with E-Minutes Arts and their mission to amplify the voices of underrepresented storytellers at eminutes.com forward slash arts. That's eminutes.com forward slash arts. All right, we're back here on Film Forward, and we're joined by filmmakers Miles Lopez and Jonathan De La Torre. And right now they're going to hook us up with three films that have inspired them and inspired their work. Gentlemen, let's get your first one. Okay, the first one I would definitely say is in many ways, Benjamin Button. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button really inspired a lot of the wardrobe and kind of actual like feel of this, you know, going through somebody's life film. So yeah, that was a huge one for me. Nice. And Jonathan. Yeah, absolutely. I think another big one was actually Vanilla Sky, Mm -hmm. which is by Cameron Crowe, which was an adaptation of a Spanish film called Abre los Ojos. Yeah. Um, I think there was some of that in, in this as well. That's another film where obviously like lucid dreaming, living in between a dream world and, and a reality. I actually, before you even brought up Vanilla Sky in your email, I thought about Vanilla Sky when I was watching your movie. <laughs> so mission accomplished. <laughs> awesome. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I definitely watched Vanilla Sky right after Jonathan mentioned it as well. And I was like, okay, yeah, I totally see where we're going with this kind of dream versus reality feel. Yeah, I would also say one of my gimme threes are Moonlight for the mm. for the visuals and the just kind of beauty of the world. I would say in particular for Cartas para Excel, it was very much so inspired by the same kind of like lens look into that film. So yeah. Yeah, especially in the scenes that you guys shoot on the on the beach, there's right. uh, a lot of visual similarities there. Excellent film. I've been meaning to rewatch that. So maybe I'll rewatch it tonight now that you've put it in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are some of yours, Nicholas? What are some of yours? Yeah, oh, okay. oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, yes, please. Well, here's the thing is we do special gimme three episodes where we pick a theme and we will like I have a guest and we do like a full hour deep dive and my guest picks three and I pick three and we'll do like Give me three rom-coms or give me three when it was the election. We did like the presidential films. I love that. <laughs> if I were to pick three favorite movies, holy crap. My listeners are like, what the hell? We're actually going to hear this. <laughs> I think one of them would be Do the Right Thing. 
which is a film that just continues to impress me with its like style and execution and, and how hard it hits, continues to hit no matter how many times I watch it. Cinema Paradiso, I think, would probably be another one just because it's a love letter to cinema and a love letter to love and relationships with for sure friends and family and our first love. It's so much. It's like almost too much love and like hard on the sleeve in that film. <laughs> uh, and then the third one. Oh, sh- oh, man, it's so tough. It changes, you know, depending on the day. I'd say probably like there's a movie called The Crowd by King Vidor, which is a silent film that came out in 1928. And it is a very depressing film about a man who's trying to make it in America, like trying to make it in New York City and like become like a successful businessman and like support his. He's basically trying to like accomplish the American dream. It's like about the pursuit of happiness. And he falls flat on his face. But it does have a somewhat hopeful ending if you're able to like make peace with it. That's all I'll say because I, I, okay. I think you should check it out. <laughs> it might be available on the Criterion channel. Or if not, you can hit me up and I have it on VHS. But do you have one of those car rewinders? Remember that the little that was like a <laughs> dude, I do remember that. Oh my gosh, we should try and find <laughs> one of those. Holy crap, that'd be a good gift idea! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow, you guys got my favorite three films out of me. You know, this is episode 99, and nobody has ever asked oh, cool. me that. <laughs> wow, well, here we are. <laughs> I think that's awesome. 99. 99. Plan for 100? Well, for episode 100, it's going to be me and my wife, who's Sonia. She runs the film festival. We're going to do a special Gimme Three on. LADFF program this year to kind of like preview the festival. Uh, so that'll be fun. Um, yeah. You should do a uh, Gimme 100. And no, yeah. <laughs> 10 hour podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's a great idea, actually. <laughs> My friends, thank you so much for doing this. Again, congratulations on like a really, really beautiful film. We're very excited to share it with our audience. Once again, the film is Letters to Axel. You can see it with us at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival on August 19th as a part of the Love, Lust, Lost block. Tickets are available right now at LADFF.com. Once again, thank you guys both for doing this. Thank you. We're so excited to be screening. So we'll see you there. Yeah, see you guys there. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward. And we'll catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.